Father, we do long to be in your presence. We long to be in your presence through all of the mighty acts that you deliver upon us on our daily lives. Especially today, Father, we ask for your presence as we come to your table and we bring three of your precious children, the Saj, to come and be baptized. We thank you in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Please be seated. I invite the colliers forward. This is the Saj, as I just learned. That's how I remember who goes where. Samuel Owen and Jack Collier. Uh, strangely enough, this is not my first triplets uh, to baptize. Uh, the child's got in before y'all. Um, but it's the first ones in here. We're so excited to have them. Uh, almost all of them. 66% of them. There we go. That's right. Not just a pretty face. Brothers and sisters, this is Weston Kristen Collier, by the way. Uh, brothers and sisters in Christ, through the sacrament of baptism, we are initiated into Christ's holy church, incorporated into God's mighty acts of salvation, and given new birth through water and the Spirit. All this is God's gift offered to us without price. This is Samuel Ireland, Owen Richard, who's bored, and, and Jack Thomas. He's yawning. That's awesome. I, I present them to you for Christian baptism. Weston Kristen, I ask you, on behalf of the whole church. Do you renounce the spiritual forces of wickedness, reject the evil powers of this world, and repent of your sins? And do you accept the freedom and power God gives you to resist evil, injustice, and oppression in whatever forms they present themselves? And do you confess Christ as your Savior, put your whole trust in his grace, and promise to serve him as your Lord in union with the church which Christ has opened to people of all ages, nations, and races? And will you nurture Samuel, Owen, and Jack? In Christ's holy church, that by your teaching and example, they may be guided to accept God's grace for themselves, to profess their faith openly, and to lead a Christian life. This is a wonderful event um, for the Collier family, but it is also an amazing event for our family, because these triplets are not just theirs, they're ours. Uh, we, we watch them form and grow in Kristen's belly right over there in their usual seats. Um, and then many of us have done certain things and been a part of their wonderful lives because they're awesome. Uh, and the first day they were here, I was so pumped and excited. Like, they're here. Hi. Um, and so I ask all of you, their surrogate moms and dads, these people who surround them in love, will you do everything in your power to uphold and care for the Saj that one day the three of them will profess their faith in Jesus Christ openly? If so, please say, we will. Let us pray. Eternal Father, when nothing existed but chaos, you swiped across the dark waters and brought forth light. In the days of Noah, you saved those on the ark through water. After the flood, you set in the clouds a rainbow. When you saw your people as slaves in Egypt, you led them to freedom through the sea. Their children you brought through the Jordan to the land which you promised. In the fullness of time, you sent Jesus nurtured in the water of a womb. He was baptized by John and anointed by your spirit. He called his disciples to share in the baptism of his death and resurrection and to make disciples of all nations. Pour out your Holy Spirit to bless this gift of water and those who receive it, to wash away their sin and clothe them in righteousness throughout their lives, that dying and being raised with Christ, they may share in his final victory. I'll pray to you, Eternal Father, through your Son, Jesus Christ, who with you and the Holy Spirit lives and reigns forever. Amen. Come here, Samuel. Hi, buddy. I like your bow tie. How's it going? Now, people of New Heights, we know that this is not a spectator sport. This is participatory. participatory. You, you're a part of it. <laughs> Porky pig moment there. And so when we, uh, when we baptize one of our children in this place, this isn't something that we do quietly. This is something where we rejoice 
like big O is right there, and we celebrate up to heaven. So when each one of these gets back, I was contemplating holding it till the end, but we didn't want Jack to think he was more important than the others. So we're going to do this for everyone. Ready? This is called a beard. Samuel Ireland, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And I mark the sign of your, the cross on your forehead to denote you're a sealed child of God. Ladies and gentlemen, Samuel Ireland. Richard, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son. I know, and of the Holy Spirit, and I mark the sign of the cross on your foreheads and note you're a sealed child of God. Ladies and gentlemen, Owen Richard. <laughs> All right, Jack. Hey, buddy. Hi. How's it going, Jack? Jack Thomas, I baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and I mark the sign of the cross on your forehead to denote you're a sealed child of God. Ladies and gentlemen, Jack Thomas. Would you show your love and support to the Collier family one more time? And they have a babysitting chart up here at the front in case you would like to sign up um, to babysit. <laughs> you have to take all three, though. <laughs> so good morning once again. Uh, way to fight through the rain. Uh, I know that was tough for some of you. Uh, I, uh, before we get started, I want to let you know, if you haven't been here in a while, that we made an announcement last week. We broadcast it over the interwebs and things like that. We also did it here in the service. But if you weren't here and you didn't hear, um, next week will be my last Sunday here at New Heights as, uh, as your pastor. I have been appointed by the bishop to go to St. Andrew's United Methodist Church over on Robin Hood and Chevy Chase off of Eisenhower. And uh, so next Sunday is my last Sunday here. My first Sunday over there will be July 3rd when no one is in town. This is how the Methodist Church planned it. And, uh, but today is not a sad Sunday. Uh, Heather who sings up here, uh, told me this morning that she's wearing a happy shirt. It's a new shirt. It's a happy shirt. She loves the shirt. So she said no sadness today. So we are just going to be fun and happy today, except for the Collier triplets, which apparently didn't get that memo. Um, so if you have questions about that, I, I'm happy to answer and, and to fill you in with whatever you uh, care to know about that. Some of you might be here to make sure because I only have two Sundays left, I don't just totally go off the rails. Anybody here for that? Just for the crash, like a train wreck, right? I would be if I, if I know me. Um, so today is Pentecost. Today is a happy day, right? Today is a day when we get the Holy Spirit. This is a day that should be exciting to all of us. There's fire in the sanctuary, for goodness sakes, right? You go down there and Donna has lit the place on fire. Um, because this is, she lives for this day. Just, there's a big flame in the middle of the, uh, the chancel area. 
It's Pentecost. This is the day when the Holy Spirit comes down. And it's not to be confused with the fact that this is the first appearance of the Holy Spirit. Now making its appearance in the history of the world, the Holy Spirit. No, 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 no. Holy Spirit's been here the entire time. What is different here is the Holy Spirit's relationship with us. Let's go to Pentecost. Acts chapter 2 is the story of it. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly, there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then, what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. At that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running, and they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. They were completely amazed. How can this be, they exclaimed. These people are, from all, are all from Galilee, and yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. Here we are, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, people from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, the province of Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, the areas of Libya around Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. And we all hear these people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things God has done. They stood there amazed and perplexed. What can this mean? They asked each other. These are the words of the Lord. Thanks be to God. They drop it. They finish it with a double rainbow moment. Right? What can it mean? Can you imagine? Thank you, Jordan. Can you imagine coming to this place and hearing your language spoken? You come from a foreign country. You come from some place that English is not the dominant language. You don't know how to speak English. You come here and you hear me speaking your language. How amazing and mind-blowing would that be? Pentecost. What does Pentecost mean? Count 50. There you go. Count 50. Pentecost is 50 days after the Passover. This is a celebration that Jews have been doing for a long time. They didn't call it Pentecost. called it something else. But it's counting 50 days after the Passover. This is a celebration that people would have hung around for. It's a celebration that they all knew. Not one of the big three, not one of the ones that you are commanded to come to Jerusalem and to celebrate. Passover is one of those. So during the time of Passover, as we talked about during that time, the, the Jerusalem, population of Jerusalem would blow up. People from everywhere would be there. Some people would hang on. Some people would stay over to wait for this coming holiday. Now, in this holiday, there are a couple of things that are celebrated. As with any holiday of the Jewish people, they're an agrarian country, culture. So they're, they're farmers. Every holiday has some sort of aspect of thanking God for the crop, for the rain, praying for the rain, praying for the crop. There's something about farming going on in every one of these holidays. This one is the same. Thanking God for the upcoming harvest. But there's something else to this, too. This is the holiday when they celebrate the giving of the law. This is the holiday 50 days after Passover when they remember and celebrate the time at Mount Sinai. Let's back up. Passover. What is Passover the celebration of? The Exodus. Thank you. It's the celebration of the Exodus, right? It's the celebration of when God took the people of Israel and brought them out of captivity into freedom. This is the celebration, the story, right? The Haggadah means to tell the story at the Seder meal. You tell the story. You remember when we were slaves and God brought us out of slavery into freedom. This is the Passover. 
50 days later, we're celebrating the giving of the law. What were the Jews doing 50 days later after the original Passover? They're in the wilderness, right? They're, they're wandering through the desert. What's going on here is this remembrance of the story. Remember, Jews are always about the story. They're always about what came before. And so what they're doing is they're celebrating when God came into the people of Egypt, removed them from slavery, and began to shape their lives into the sons and daughters that he desired them to be. If you remember the story of the Passover, Moses goes out. He gets called by God. Hey, go tell Pharaoh to let my people go. And Moses does what? Eh, I don't think so. A couple of times we go through this. Moses finally gets the point. He goes back in. Pharaoh says, no. We go through ten plagues. The death of the firstborn being the final. Pharaoh finally says, get out, go. The people of Egypt, they take their, they plunder essentially the place and they leave. And then they part the, you know, Moses raises his hand. God parts the Red Sea. They go through. The Egyptians follow them. Their entire army <laughs> slammed over, gone. They're on the other side. But now they're on the other side. Now they're out there in the wilderness. Now things are a little bit shaky. Fifty days later, they come to Mount Sinai. Moses goes up the mountain. He has this interaction with God. He comes down with these 15, oh, 10 commandments. Mel Brooks fans, nobody? He comes down with these 10 commandments. And he, and he gives them the law. This is the beginning of the law. Now, here's what we need to know about this. This is what they're celebrating during the 50 days after this. This Pentecost time is the giving of this law. There's a lot of laws to come. You know, 500 and something more laws are coming after these first 10. There's a lot of stuff going into it. You look in the Old Testament at all of these different laws, and there's a law for this and a law for that, and a law in case you break that law and that law and all these different things. Now, what's going on? Why so many laws? Because the people of Israel needed to learn how to be sons and daughters. The people of Israel had been living for 400 years in captivity. All they knew was how to be a slave. That was their life. They knew when to get up because they were told when to get up. They knew when to go to work and what to do at work because they were told when to go to work and what to do at work. They were told when to eat. They were told when to go to bed. Their lives were controlled by their oppressors. After 400 years, your identity, your entire mentality, everything about you and your people is driven by this slave mentality. But God's bringing them from this and saying, here you go. Your sons and daughters, your heirs to the kingdom of heaven. But you can't just let them go willy-nilly off into the wilderness. I mentioned this last week. When a kid gets his driver's permit, you don't just toss him the keys to the Porsche and go, here you go, buddy, take off. No, you got to shape him. You got to treat him. You got to train him. You got to build him into somebody that you would be willing to give your pinto to, right? <laughs> Talking about you two. This is something that they had to learn. So when God sets up these rules and these laws, what He's doing is He's helping them to learn to be free. That's what all of this was about. It was about letting them escape the captivity that they had been and get into a life of being a child of God. Free. But in order for God to get it right, in order for him to help shape the people of Israel, he needed to set rules and regulations. Hey, 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 you've been going crazy. We've got to zero it in here. This is your dance floor. You stay right here. This is your move, you know? You stay right. You don't, none of this. Hitch fans, a couple. I'm full of movie references today. There's more coming. Don't worry. It's the rain. 
Uh, you know, you, you stay right in here. We're going to let you out little by little by little. And one day this Messiah is going to come and he's going to fulfill all the laws. And then freedom is really going to happen. But until then, we have these laws and these rules and these regulations. And they are teaching you how to be free. What do the people of Israel do when Moses goes up the mountain? They go crazy, right? He's like gone. Like, where did he go? Oh, no, we're in the wilderness. Let's go back to Egypt. At least there we were fed. At least there we knew what was coming here. It's scary. Aaron, what do we do? Uh, Let's build a golden calf, right? Because that's what you do when you're lost in the wilderness. You build a cow out of gold. And so they do. And Moses comes down with the commandments. And what happens? What does Moses do? gets angry, real angry. What does God do? He gets a little angry too. And so from this, the Levites, the priestly class, people like me, were sent out into the people of Israel. And they slaughtered how many people? 3,000 that day. 3,000 people just wiped out. And God says, get in here. Stop doing that stuff. You're not who you were in Egypt. You're not a slave. You're a son. You're a daughter. Knock it off. Get into your lane and stay here. And we're going to start opening it up. So every year, 50 days after Passover, the Jews would gather together once again and celebrate this moment, the moment when the thing that guides their entire life was given to Moses. This law, these rules, these regulations. Come to this Passover. Jesus is here. He has the Passover Seder meal with his disciples, right? It's the Last Supper. And he changes some things and he starts to introduce this new language into what's going on. That I am the new covenant, he says. We're ending the old ways and we're beginning this new thing. It's Passover. There should be a sacrificial lamb. He is that sacrificial lamb. He takes the sins of the world on him. He dies and he conquers death. And he comes and he kicks around with the disciples for a little while. And he says, now go into the world. Share my love with the people. I have set you free. Fifty days later. The disciples find themselves in this room once again. And this is when these tongues of fire, if God wants to get your attention, how does he do it? A tongue of fire, right? That's going to get your attention. Just, And as I said, it's not the first time that the Holy Spirit has come or has been mentioned in the scripture. No, 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 no. Holy Spirit's been here from the beginning. It's the first time the Holy Spirit has gone in and taken hold of us. There's a change in the relationship of what's going on here. And what's happening is we're being taken from living under a place of laws and rules and regulations, and we're being brought into a land of freedom. With freedom comes accessibility. With freedom comes everyone is in everyone has access to the kingdom of heaven. How do we know this? Because Peter and the disciples stood and they spoke in languages they had no business knowing. And people heard in the ear of which they were accustomed. And people were added to the number that day. How many people? 3,000. You see what God does here? God doesn't make coincidences. God doesn't go, oh, that's kind of cool. That's the same thing that happened back then. No. When God sets up the rules and regulations and says, all right, class, let's get in this lane right here. 
and they go a little ape crazy over there. He gets in and he slaughters 3,000. Fast forward to the time when freedom comes and when Jesus has fulfilled all these laws and these rules and these regulations, the Holy Spirit dwells inside of us in 3,000. It's restoration. There's no coincidence that it's the same number. God's like, do you see what I'm doing? I'm restoring. This is what the kingdom of heaven is all about. It's about restoration. It's about restoring what was broken to becoming whole again. This is Pentecost. The day in which restoration, the kingdom of heaven works, started for reals. This is the day when it happens. The day that you get the power inside of you that is greater than anything this world has to offer. The day that you have the ability, Jesus says, to do things even better than I did. We have that power. But rules and laws, boy, they're attractive. Man, they're easy. You know how many times in their trek around the wilderness, the people of Israel said, God, if only we were back in Egypt. If only we were back there. It was so much easier that it was horrible, but at least we knew what was coming. How often do we find ourselves locked into one way and we're like, this is the law. This is the rule. This is the regulation. Any deviation from this is going to be bad. Stay in here. How many of you know what Vatican II is? Not many recovering Catholics in here. Okay, so Vatican II was something that happened in the 1960s, and there's this huge movement that came out of Rome, and it, it was monumental change in the Catholic Church. Before Vatican II, this is what you saw at a Catholic church, the back of the priest, and this is what you heard. Omnibus, patribus, get on the bus. He's on the bus. I saw the Latin I know from Johnny Dangerously. This is my course of my Latin. That's what you hear, Latin. You see the back of the priest and you hear Latin. And you come, and how many of you speak Latin in here? Right. Two of you? Oh, wow. Really? Mm. Nerds. Just kidding. That's wonderful. Um, and, and so what you do is you'd hear, the, you'd hear the Latin spoken, and you would see the back of the priest, and you knew when it was time to... You know, that was about it, right? Because you didn't know what he was saying. The priest would deliver a sermon, but how would you know what he's saying? Because it was just Latin. Vatican II, this is what happened. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Or whatever your dominant language is. The priest turned and spoke in the language that was spoken wherever the church was. Still stood behind the altar. Still was big separation, still did the calisthenics, Catholic calisthenics. I went to Catholic school. I remember it very well. Do you know how much like volatility that brought forth? When, pe- when they changed that, how much commotion that caused? What? You're changing it from Latin? Jesus spoke Latin. But this huge outburst, these cries of heresy, because the priest did this. It spoke a language other than Latin. Rules and regulations and these things that we find ourselves, when we find this lane, sometimes it's scary to break out of it. The first denomination that had a female pastor, man, horrendous, right? We're talking about, we have amazing female pastors on staff. 
But when you break out of that rule and that law, things start to shift. See, what the Spirit is, what Pentecost is all about, I believe, is freedom. It's about this power that dwells inside of us that is greater than the world. It's saying that these rules and regulations can help shape us into who God wants us to be, but that's not where he wants us to stay. He doesn't want us to get locked down into a lane and say, this is the only thing that matters. No. Where the Spirit of the Lord, there is what? Freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. As Patrick Swayze says, nobody puts the spirit in a corner. It is too powerful, too mighty for that. It is too great. And what we do is we want to tamper the spirit down. Why? Because Pentecost has become Pentecostalism and Pentecostalism freaks us out. They've taken that name over and they've, they've, they've kind of cornered the market on it. And Pentecost has lost the significance of the empowerment of the Holy Spirit and the freedom of the people of the congregation, the people of God. And what it's done is... Brought to mind people that run up and down pews and shout in different weird tones. Right? Pew runners. That's what you think of Pentecostalism. They raise their hands in worship. How dare they? We start thinking of these places and they go to these different... But we've lost the meaning and the truth and the power behind the freedom of the Holy Spirit. Every one of us has the power of the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of us. I heard a pastor a decade or more ago say... That every one of us has this like little FedEx box inside of us and the Holy Spirit's inside. Some of us have opened it and others it's just still sitting there waiting. But we all have the power of that Holy Spirit inside of us. And that Jesus says, come on. I told you when I'm gone, I'm going to send someone to be with you. So that you may do more powerful things than you could ever imagine. Even more powerful than what I have done. The church so often gets locked into these rules and regulations and we find it comfortable and it's easy to stay there even if we shouldn't. And we've lost the ability to grab hold of the wonder and the freakiness of the Holy Spirit and what the Holy Spirit does. We've lost the ability to go, you know what? Let's get crazy up in here and ask for something amazing. Because if it doesn't happen, and we fall back to these rules and these laws and these regulations, well, what does that mean about God? I don't think that God brought us through this story. I don't think that God had the Passover story and the giving of the law 50 days later, and then a while time later, this Passover with Jesus, and then 50 days later, the impartation of the Holy Spirit. I don't think that 3,000 were lost on one day and 3,000 were added back together for us to go, eh, it's just another story in the Bible. I think that he pulls all of these things together to go, look at this! It's like a big eat at Joe's sign. Just Look at this, there's something significant going on here. You don't just come to church and sit and be lazy with your faith. It's bigger than that. You have a Holy Spirit dwelling inside of you that's going to burst out of your chest, Jeremiah says. Let it burst. Let it go forward into the world and figure out what's going to happen. Go into your communities. Go into our community, into your homes, into your neighborhoods, carrying the love and the passion of Christ with you. Not every one of you is going to be as crazy as I am and do this. Some of you are like going... I'm so glad next Sunday is the last one. But you're passionate about something. 
and you have gifts and talents and wonderments that God has given you and only you. And you have the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of you. And God's just going, come on, just shake it up a little bit. Just shake it up and just pop the top and see what happens. May we have the courage to be those kind of Pentecostal people. Not afraid of what's going to happen and getting into the weirdness of that that we've put in our minds and we've made because of the rules and regulations of the church. And that doesn't fit inside of it. But having the courage to say, God, if you want me to do something crazy, let me be crazy. I would rather be crazy for Jesus than dumb for the devil. Make a bumper sticker out of that. It'd be great, wouldn't it? My mother would hate it. I just said the D word. Dumb, not the devil. May we be the type of people who aren't afraid to unleash the power that dwells inside of us. Let us pray. Gracious and Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you for the gift of the Holy Spirit whom you promised would come. You promised would give us power and strength. Would enable us to do things even greater than you have done. We pray, Lord, that we would have the courage to welcome that gift into our lives. We would have the courage to allow the Spirit to use us in mighty ways. We pray, Father, that as we go forth from this room, we would do so in ways mighty and powerful, not because of who we are, but because of who you are. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.